Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and today uh, we've got a couple things to talk about, so I wanted to open this up with a couple of announcements. So, uh, last night I was thinking, and uh, I was going to say nothing ever good comes from me thinking, but actually I love thinking, and I spend actually a lot of my, too much of my time thinking. But last night I was thinking, and I was trying to think, okay, how how can I maybe interact with you guys a little bit more on this podcast? And how can you guys feel maybe a little more interacted with me? Obviously, on these comic uh, podcasts, you can follow along with the comics as you're reading them. But especially on these days, like New Comic Book Wednesday, it's requiring you to purchase those comics. And uh, so I know some of you guys are either aren't doing that or not. Again, totally fine. And I totally understand. That's what Marvel Unlimited is for. And so with that in mind, what I am going to start trying to do at starting with this month, it'll be a monthly thing, is doing a, uh, a comic book club. And so I know I know there's some other podcasts out there doing the same thing where they pick a couple of issues, uh, maybe a great run here or there. And specifically, I know uh, Marvel Studios News does that on their Patreon. They have a monthly um, uh, Marvel Studio or MCU book club where they read a uh, sort of a storyline that they think maybe is going to go into a Marvel movie or kind of as prep work for the Marvel, which is awesome. And then uh, this other new podcast that just started up as well, which is the Comic Binge podcast, uh, which is also phenomenal. I've been listening to them too. They are incredibly, uh, what's the word? They're they're like librarians. They're historians when it comes to comics. And I certainly uh, don't put myself at their level by all, any means. I, I know quite a bit about comics, but... If I'm a B, they're an A, and so they and they're also diving into DC things as well. So if you guys love DC comics, they just put out a really great Joker comic uh, or a Joker podcast where they basically what they're doing is they're picking runs on comics, whether that's DC or Marvel, and they're basing it off of like the DC Universe app, which you can read a bunch of comics on there for free, or the Marvel Unlimited app. Uh, and I don't have the DC Universe app. I I have. DC trades, and there may be some that um, will sneak in at some points, but mine is mostly going to be Marvel, and the difference between mine is mine are not going to be, uh, I, I'm going to try my best, sometimes it won't, you know, it won't, I can't help it because it's uh, important for the movie, but mine won't really be related to MCU type things, mine are more going to be books or runs that I think either tie into a theme for the month or are just something that I have loved, you know, for years. Because, I, like I said, I have a pretty extensive collection of trade paperbacks and hardcovers and omnibuses, and I've been really wanting to either reread them or catch up on some of the ones that I've bought and haven't read. And so, what better way to do that than to read them and then re- review them and discuss them on here? But to let you guys know in advance so that you can read them as well on Marvel Unlimited uh, and and read along. And so, what I'll do is I'll have a monthly episode where I give you guys in advance what issues I'm going to be reading and why. And then you've got the whole month to read them, and then I will post the podcast later in the month. And this one, this month is perfect, and that's why I was thinking this is the perfect month to start this, is uh, it's it's October, and it's the last day of the month is actually Halloween. I mean, duh, but... Uh, so I think I'll probably post it on the last day of the month. That way I know already I'm probably going to say happy Halloween in my podcast, but sorry, I'm just a little excited. But so this is going to be a Halloween comic book club. 
And so this, like I said, I, I certainly don't want anyone thinking that I'm trying to copy someone else or, or do this. There are There is so much room in the comic book world for multiple podcasts to handle comics. And honestly, it requires multiple podcasts to handle them because there's just, you know, there's 80 plus years of comic book history between all of the, more than 80 between all of them. But, you know, you got DC, Marvel, Image, all that stuff. And eventually I will be going into those too because I have a bunch of Image comics as well of some really great image runs but uh so this is this is why so again um this is you'll see why this is going to be different than the other podcast but so this is this is what's going to be for the halloween for the october edition of the comic book club and we'll work on that name if it doesn't if it doesn't fit but uh it's going to be six issues and they are all different issues and they are all halloween themed issues these are issues that I've either read or I haven't read. Some of, and I'll, I'll get into them here real quick. But so, so you guys are aware. Uh, put these on your library or add them to your library and read them by the end of the month if you'd like uh, to follow along with me as I discuss them on Halloween. Uh, they are from 1972, Werewolf by Night, issue number one. I have not read this issue. Uh, so I'm really excited because I've had this in my library for a long time to check it out. Tomb of Dracula, issue number one from 1972. And I'm giving you the dates because some of these other ones, uh, it's just going to be easier to find them when you're searching in Marvel Unlimited. But these ones are, this is how you'll find them. So uh, I looked up just to be sure, especially as we get to some of these others, uh, they may be difficult to find. But uh, so Tomb of Dracula, I actually have read that one and uh, I'm really excited to reread it. I read it last Halloween. Uh, but yeah, okay, so those are two from 1972. And then we're going to move a little bit forward into two. And guys, I don't know if you can tell in my voice, I'm really, really excited to do this. Uh, because I just like, I, how cool these are all. Yeah, you'll see. So 2009, Spider-Man, the short Halloween. This is a comic that I read back in 2009, but I don't remember much about it. All I remember it's by, uh, I believe it's by, it's by two guys from Saturday Night Live. I think it's Bill Hader and Will Forte, who are two of my favorite actors from that show. And they've blown up at this point. So that's going to be a really fun one for us to discuss. Uh, and then in 2012, we've got Marvel Zombies Halloween. It's a one-shot. And these these are one-shots, all of these. So uh, not the Tomb of Dracula and Werewolf, but Spider-Man Short Halloween's a one-shot. Marvel Zombies Halloween. And then the Avengers Halloween Special, which was from last year, 2018. I, I did read that one, and I really liked it. It's a fun one to talk about. And then uh, 2018 as well is Marvel Zombie. So this was a one-shot that came out right around that same time. I didn't buy it in stores. I was going to wait for Marvel Unlimited, and I did. And uh, I still hadn't found time to read it. And so now what a perfect time. So again, guys, uh, for the, uh, the Halloween Book Club uh, edition this month, it's going to be Marvel Zombie, Avengers Halloween Special, Marvel Zombies Halloween, Spider-Man The Short Halloween, Tomb of Dracula, number one, and Werewolf by Night, number one. And I, again, I'm so excited uh, to start doing this with you guys. So like I said, that's there's your theme. It's a Halloween theme, and I'll, I'll figure out my themes as the months go on. But uh, I wanted to let you guys in on this. I hope this is something that you're excited about. Uh, if not, please let me know, and I won't do it. Uh, I'm just kidding. No, I, I'm, I'm really excited to do it regardless of what anybody thinks. Uh, the, but the other thing I wanted to let you guys know too is today. So today's comic is Powers of uh, 10, issue 6 of 6. And this is the final issue in the 12-part series between Powers and House. 
and I'm going to review and discuss this issue, but I will let you guys know I am going to do a wrap-up edition of uh, Comics and Cinema for this entire series. So uh, it'll be me kind of draw thoughts of the entire series, where I think things are going from here, and uh, what kind of is to be expected. So um, the way I'm going to do that too, because I'm sure as you guys were reading this issue, if you haven't read it, you need to read it because it's the last issue. But at the very end of this issue, there's uh, some previews, and it looks like a reading order for a bunch of new comics that are coming out. And I know some of you are probably aware of these, whether you've heard me talk about them in the past, but maybe some of you haven't been aware of them. So what I'll do is I will be doing a recap of the entire House of X and Powers of Ten series, and then a kind of preview of what's coming up for the future of the X-Men, which is the Dawn of X. So I will try to get that issue. I think I'll work on that episode, um, what's today, Wednesday. I may try and either work on that episode tomorrow or more likely probably this weekend. It'll just depend on my schedule, but I will try to get it out before X-Men issue number one comes out next week uh, because that's the beginning of Dawn of X and so I want this to kind of be a wrap-up right before then so I'll try and get it out before then you guys obviously if you're subscribed you're going to get the ding whenever uh, it becomes available but keep your eyes out for those and obviously get excited for that Halloween one because I keep wanting to say ho 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 but it's more like that's my uh, my joke, my fake Joker laugh when he's uh, pretending to, to laugh. But let's jump right into this, guys. Powers of Ten, issue six of six. I uh, I loved this series. That's the only thing I'm gonna say in terms of a wrap up. This whole series, it was it's the epitome of comics, and the uh, the ending of this it, it ended well. I'm really happy with how it ended, but. I actually do have a couple of nitpicks with this issue, which is, I know, shocking. I, I have nothing but, but positivity to say when it comes to uh, Marvel Comics. And, oh, well, that's sort of true, but uh, I, I do always have a, a couple of other hot takes, like some of the stuff you've seen me on Marvel Unlimited. But there's a couple of things I think are worth discussing in here, at least just to point them out. So uh, I'll, I'll do it as we're going. But So this is Powers of Ten, issue six, written by Jonathan Hickman, art by... R.B. Silva and Pepe Larraz, first issue of the series to have them both. Color art by Marte Gracia and David Curiel. So if you noticed in some spots of this comic, the colors seemed a little different. That's because they were, because a different color artist was working on it. And I, I've heard that is because Marte Gracia got sick and couldn't finish. And that, to me, honestly, guys, as much as it's like, oh, get well soon, buddy, you know, and, and obviously that's the case, but like how... How much of a bummer that must be for him, because this this whole series, like I said, we all agree, is, is perfection. This series has been so amazing, and can you imagine how cool it would have been to have had uh, the same writer, the same artist, same color artist, same letterer, all everybody the same on all twelve issues, all twelve issues coming out the same time you guys have no high i mean maybe you do but you there's just there are so many big event comics that have been delayed i mean look at doomsday clock for dc that came out like two years ago and it isn't even done uh secret wars had a ton of delays there are some other comics that have, have had delays and uh, that's honestly at this point in time that's kind of just part of the business is like well you know especially with people like Esau Ribic and uh, I'm trying to think there's a couple of other artists who are just their work is so painstaking and beautiful that it takes them longer to do it 
And like, for example, Russell Dowderman was sharing that when he was working on War of the Realms, he knew about that series a year or more in advance and was working on it a year or more in advance because he knew that if he didn't do it early, that he there would be delays inevitably because of how much work he puts into it. And so that part's a bummer. But overall, I, I didn't really notice a difference. I'm going to comment on the, the difference I did notice. But besides that, it, uh, it, it I thought it was great. So this is uh, issue six, House of X. So this series, and here's my first nitpick, opens up, again, this is a $5.99 issue. So this last issue is the big the big ending. It should be a supersized issue. It doesn't feel like a supersized issue. And that's what kind of bummed me out a little bit is we open this up and, and literally one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven pages are the are just pulled directly from the first powers of 10 issue the part where uh, moira and xavier meet at the carnival literally the same pages and panels and i as as it started the first one opens up on xavier walking in the woods and i don't remember if that's in the first issue but i was like that's a beautiful it's a beautiful splash like a beautiful full page but then as it got into the carnival and i see this little man with the the uh, fire red beard and mustache and the fortune teller i'm just like i just don't like i've seen this already and not only that guys but i've seen this scene of the seminal moment in the x-men series of moira sharing her mind with xavier we have seen that i think four times now in this series so why oh why is hickman putting seven pages and obviously we start realizing and guys, before we dive in, I apologize. Uh, I am going to be going full spoilers on this. So if you haven't read it or you want to pause it and come back, uh, I have not spoiled anything yet, except for the fact that this book spoils the first seven pages by recapping and redoing what they already did. Uh, so it does that. And then we get immediately to year 1000, which is what I, I predicted was that this series would focus solely on year 1000. And so as I'm reading this, I'm like, cool, I'm right. Uh, and I love being right, but uh, at this part, it was kind of weird, so you're looking in this preserve, and I'm trying to figure out, like, so, okay, the, the librarian is trying to figure things out, and he's like, oh, these people try to attack him, and it's like, I thought this preserve was for humans, but all of a sudden, Wolverine shows up, and I'm like, oh, man, so, okay, so they've got some mutants in here, and I, I was thinking the whole time that Xavier was the librarian, and now I'm not so sure, uh, because he has a really good conversation with Wolverine about, oh, you know, we're going to be, uh, I'm going to be ascending today. I don't know about you guys, but um, if you guys want to sit down, you know, enjoy your food here in the preserve, I'm going to go ascend and we're all going to get swallowed whole into this collective. And uh, Wolverine's kind of not, he's like, well, what are you, what's going on? And, and Moira shows up and it's like, oh shoot, it's Moira and Wolverine. Holy cow. Is this what we were thinking? Is this what we were predicting? Is this year 1000 life six? Well, guys, it is. It is life six, which makes me want to and very excited to do that recap story because I'm gonna I'm gonna try and reread all of these powers issues because now I'm wondering were there any hints dropped in these year one thousand pieces of the powers issues that maybe hinted at what happened in this lifetime because we only know what happened at year one thousand we don't know as far as I know we don't know what happened anytime earlier than that so like for instance. How did Moira live to be a thousand years old? How is that possible? Did she go into cryostasis or something? Wolverine, I get, and he's got some gray hair and whatnot, but um, they kind of are talking, and at this point, the color, there's a weird thing going on here, and I'd be interested to see, hear your guys' thoughts, but there's a lot more 
uh, there's like trees around and so there's a lot of shading on everybody's faces and it almost makes it look like they've got some sort of like disease because parts of their face are a certain color other parts are all black and dotted but he's essentially explaining to them that uh, to hit to Moira and Wolverine that we're ascending tomorrow yada 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 and Moira's like wait the world is ending tomorrow and he's like yep it is and uh, Wolverine's like well so what we're all gonna die and he's like yep almost everyone will die the possible exception is you he says you I have arranged to send off planet and Moira says why and he goes oh I think you know why from what I've gathered uh, basically like if you die the whole thing starts over so I won't get to ascend and uh well that kind of sucks so he's like so i'm gonna send you off planet and so this whole time too like the the humans tried to attack him and he's like you're gonna have to be faster than that like i'm super skilled and so uh he's still kind of explaining his plan to them and and at this point you know i don't know if he's a good guy or bad guy but he's trying to find a way he says uh well i'm trying to figure this out i'm faced with a question do i let you die and perhaps in your next life you can prevent our becoming part of the universal machine uh, what I, su- I suspect might be a fake existence, or do I send you away and find out for myself? And she's like, do you want me to convince you? And he's like, yes, how would you prevent it with all that you've learned in your many lives? How would you? And so how does he know that she's lived through multiple lives? Like there are a lot of questions that come out of this this uh, interaction in year 1000 that I really, really hope is going to be talked about and explained in a future X-Men issue. Um, but he basically says, how would you prevent it? And, uh, uh, Wolverine says, oh, I can answer this one. Maybe we go back and start the revolution I promised a little sooner. And he's like, no, no, no. He basically explains to him that the, the, and this is what the main crux of this issue is, is that the mutant's fate is inevitable. It is inevitable that they will always lose. He says the end of the evolutionary line is this homo novacima. <coughs> and he says that is, uh, uh, the last, basically, I guess, man becoming machine. But he says, your personal memory may differ, but historical records imply you mutants never really saw what was coming. It's sad, really. The idea that you were what was next, evolutionary, evolutionarily inevitable. And he's like, we were. And Moira says, we are. And he says, look around you, Mrs. Uh, Moira Kinross. See the cage? That's inevitable, not you being outside of it. And he starts explaining the same thing, that when man controls, basically, it's not the sentinels, it's not the nimrods that have ruined mutant kind, or that are the downfall of mutants, like we've been led to believe in these other issues, it's the humans, it's always going to be the humans, he says, you thought it was the machines that would defeat you, but we just used them to buy time, the sentinels bought us years, the nimrods bought us decades, and she says, I never saw it. And he says, and I guess you never will. After all, if you aren't capable of recognizing the real enemy, how could you ever defeat them? Maybe this is just how it ends for you. And if you have no real alternative to offer, he says, maybe this is my fate as well. Immortality, divinity, as I have no choice but to become a small part of a god. And then Wolverine stabs him right in the face into a tree. And he says, dear Lord up in in robot heaven, tell me, was that fast enough for you? (laughs) And uh, that was great because I was I, I was not expecting that because I figured he would be, you know, a monster and, and stop him. But at this time, he's like, okay, well, we know now. He looks at Moira like, we know. We know how we can figure this out. And he says, so you're going to do something about it? And Moira says, yes, send me on my way. And she, he stabs him and says, so ended the sixth life of Moira X. Holy cow, guys. 
And then from there, we get a little infographic about the branching humanity of Homo superior and Homo sapien along with Homo novacima. And then we get what should have been the... So this is where my nitpick comes in. So you get seven pages from Powers of X or Powers of 10.1. They could have easily just done the last page, the one that is them, him saying, I'm sorry, do we know one another? And she says, oh, yes, yes, we do. And, and she shares it because then now we get to see what happens after she shares it. He goes, ah, 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 and like gets knocked out basically because of all the information. And so at that point, she's kind of explaining to him, like, Charles, these are the hard truths. Like, th that is the truth, is that we always lose. No matter, like, I have lived through Apocalypse, Magneto, literally nine lives, like a cat, and we always lose. And he says, perhaps, perhaps if I were more selective with my future students, or maybe made a broader appeal to our human allies, surely there's some way to, and she kisses him, and he says, why are you smiling like that? And he says, she says, I've opened my mind to you, so you know that I know you, Charles. I have loved you, I have hated you, uh, but not once in all of my lives have you changed. And he says, thank you. And she says, that is not a compliment. She says, you're a good man who believes in the goodness of others, and it breaks my heart that I have to break that part of you, but I will break it, and because that's what has to happen now. So it, it really dives into this idea that I know a lot of people were discussing, is Charles Xavier a villain? Is Charles Xavier a bad guy? And I have always been of the thought that no, no, he is not a bad guy. He is just doing what he must. I've never been a fan of labels unless it's truly something evil. And in this case, I don't think what he's doing is evil. But now we kind of get an idea that it wasn't, it's not this Xavier that we're seeing in the current day. He's not a bad guy and he didn't get brainwashed. It's just that he got, he literally changed his mind. And it, technically, she changed his mind. So you get these journal entries of Moira, which are really eye-opening, explaining that she's essentially trying to whittle him down and trying to break his mind like an ocean breaks the rocks against the like against the ocean. And uh, it's just crazy to see because it's like, so she's the reason that Xavier is like this, not just because she made him read his mind, but because she's been constantly working on him like an in continuous improvement project to make him uh, uh, change the way that he is, to stop being this way, to stop being so um, optimistic uh, because it, it doesn't work. His optimism, it, it falls on, on death every single time. And so what's interesting too is there's a couple of panels here that are... Uh, tear out or, or they're redacted but we get one so there's a couple entries and i'll just summarize each of these entries the first entry is uh, entry number five but she says she's finally recruited uh xavier to his cause which makes it seem like that maybe he wasn't wanting to initially but she says i'm not going to permit him to read me a second time and uh, eventually though it won't be enough and i'll have to open my mind to him again Perhaps he will even act against type and do so without me asked, like without my permission. She says, regardless though, uh, the truth is my best friend. So like, as long as she just keeps telling the truth, he's going to trust her because she's telling the truth. And, uh, it says, she says, it's painful how hopeful and idealistic he remains. It's shameful how much he wants to love these people. He will learn. And then entry 14 is, uh, essentially she's trying to manipulate these people, manipulate Xavier and Magneto 
She's saying, I know now just how wrong I was. While we have become romantic, it's becoming clear to me that I am breaking Charles Xavier. And if I do break him, how will he become the man I need him to be in the coming days? My concern is that I fracture his psyche and eventually unleash something unexpected into the world. That, to me, indicates that, that there's our small, um, our small little piece in regards to what... Um, Xavier had his mind wiped twice in one of the prior issues. We saw that he essentially put an older version of his mind into himself. I wonder if that's what that's referring to, that she did something to him or fractured his psyche in some way that he had to put it back to an old version of himself so that he wouldn't, you know, become like an onslaught or something like that. Entry 17 uh, says, I had a breakthrough with Charles today. For the first time, he has stopped trying to fight me on what humanity is and tapped into the potential windfall of knowledge I represent regarding mutantdom. Uh, he had a most marvelous idea regarding the potential tandem of several mutants and what they could accomplish if they worked in harmony. This is in regards to the, uh, the group of mutants who are bringing back all the mutants to life. But she says, the only thing we lack is a mutant with the ability to tweak primal matter or give reality as we know it a push. I have used my expertise in genetic modification to find potential matches for both Charles and me to produce such a mutant. There are several possibilities. This is referring to Legion. I think it's Legion, but it's definitely Proteus because Proteus is the son of Xavier and Moira, and that is the fifth person in that group who gives the, uh, reality a push when they're doing it. So that's funny that they actually planned and genetically modified their kid. Uh, really interesting. And then entry 22 is about Magneto. She says that we've successfully recruited Magneto and he is basically just, he's exactly as he is. He is not wavering at all. He is, you know, gung-ho about doing this. And, but one positive thing is that she's successfully imprinted the idea of stronghold in his mind of basically like a place where all the mutants can go like Krakoa. And then in entry 29 is Apocalypse, which is interesting. When did this happen? It says, Apocalypse has made himself known to the world. Knowing him the way I do and having aligned myself already with Xavier and Magneto, recruitment will not be an option until a much later date, uh, which is interesting. I, I really hope they dive into that in Excalibur. Uh, entry 35 is redacted. Entry 48 says, uh, I've underestimated Xavier's infatuation with the possibilities of what can be accomplished with mutant genetic material. Essentially, against her advice, both him and Magneto went to recruit Sinister. And she says that if what they told me is true, uh, he, Sinister, has produced his first Chimera decades early, and it is Sinister himself. I hope that plays into something in the future as well. And who knows, maybe these journal entries are all little tidbits and um, teases for what's to come in these series in the future. And then entry 52, we have lost Magneto. Uh, he says, she says, I have hoped given the opportunity to have made him a better man. Instead, we have all we have made is an enemy. I am just as bad as they are, if not worse, which I am assuming happens. This is all in life 10, but I think this happens before what's happening now in, in house of X. And then it says in entry 57, I've decided to remove myself from the world. I've become too active a force in this. And I've put both myself and our great planet risk. Charles and I will use a Shi'ar Golem, a living husk, to test our early theories of what can be accomplished with adequate and properly prepared genetic material and a backup copy from Cerebro. We will fake my death using a replica, and I will return to the shadows where I belong, which is in that uh, bubble underneath Krakoa. 
which she explains as it says, there are two ways in and out of my home. The door you came through, which leads to a secret chamber in the House of X, and the other, which leads to one of mankind's greatest culinary cities, uh, which I would love to hear you guys' thoughts on where, where that is. Is that it, is it in Italy? Is it France? Is it uh, America? But uh, we'll see. So at this point, they're kind of just, you know, he's like, I brought, Magneto comes in with Xavier and says, I brought tea. And he's like, well, come on, like, you you know you want some tea, but yeah, you know, that's not really the real reason I came here. And she's like, ah, can I assume that we made a government? And he says, yep, and explains who's on the government seat. So we get a little bit more idea there as to who's on the seat, but he says, uh, most of it went as, as assumed. Apocalypse sits with uh, Charles and myself. Jean Grey, Storm, and Nightcrawler sit at summer. They are my children and will do well. That's what Xavier says. And then explains that the White Queen and Sebastian Shaw are there, not super worried with them because uh, she keeps them on a tight leash and can be trusted. <coughs> but then he says, Winter is complicated. It's where we parked all of our problem mutants, besides myself, of course, and that's Magneto talking. We sat sinister there because we cannot do this without him. So having him closer is not, is better than not. Exodus has an unyielding code, and we three know all too well the complication of an unflinching ideology brings. And then Mystique would not agree to join without certain guarantees. And she says, what did you do? He says, we promised to bring destiny back. And she says, you cannot do that. And he says, we know. She says, there can be no precogs on Krakoa. We cannot, will not tolerate mutants who can see the future. We know. You do not understand. She has ways of seeing me, and I am a weakness because my death ends all of this. We know. Do you? What happens if we bring her back and she tells everyone what she sees, if she tells everyone the truth? Moira, we know, and we'll put her off as long as we can. And then Magneto says, tomorrow, tomorrow, not today, all the mutant leaders say. We'll put them off, but one day they deserve to know the truth, just like Charles and I did. And Moira says, you really want them to know that we always lose? And they say, the truth is that until now we have always lost, but this time it is going to be different, for we are different. And that is all because of you. And the rest of this is kind of saying, like, we need to celebrate this. We need to celebrate this win. And it kind of, and then we get more flat, literally three more pages that are straight from House of X. So there's some more bonus material, or not really bonus material. But at this point, the last scene from House of X was them saying, just look at what we made. And then Xavier or, uh, Magneto says, and yet the thought lingers. Is it enough? Xavier says, this is only the start, Eric, but we have to hope so. And Eric says, if it is not, though, he says, the more, then we do more, whatever the cost, whatever it takes. This is all there is, Eric. We live and die with this, you and I. And then uh, Magneto says, then I will die for it. And if I fall, then you will raise me up. I will show this world what a, uh, what a real mutant is. And then Xavier says, keep talking like that, and you're sure to elicit a response. And Magneto says, I am not ashamed of what I am. Let them try and stop us this time. And then Xavier looks up at everyone dancing and partying and says, yes, let them try. And that's the end. And that's the end of this issue. So like I said, it might, I'll just talk real briefly on my nitpicks. So I do not like that they reprinted so many pieces of this story in here when I think they could have put a ton more reveals and whatnot. And that's just me being selfish. I get it. But still, guys, that's like 10 10 precious pages of this book 
are identical pages from the past. There are some spots that, like I said, are a little off with the colors, but not to the point that I was taken away from it. I just noticed it when I was reading. I was like, huh, like uh, on this page where him and Moira are talking on the bench and they walk away into the sunset, like look at their hands and their faces. They're just the, the color shading is a little weird. But other than that, like I said, guys, this issue is, is so great. And there are so many questions that get brought up here. I I think people are going to look back on this issue and realize that this issue sowed the seeds for so many things going forward in the Dawn of X. And I, I'm saying that as a I hope because I would be really uh, upset and bummed if Marvel did not pick up on these threads because these threads are so interesting. I want to know what's going to happen with Destiny. Maybe she's going to end up being a big bad or that maybe there's some big event comic that takes place next year with the X-Men where uh, Destiny, call it Destiny Arrives and Destiny shows up and reveals this truth and there's a, there's a revolution on Krakoa or something. Or uh, we could dive into the whole Moira situation. Maybe there, there's got to be more going on. Like I said, what more did Moira see? Is Moira going to get an 11th life? We still don't know these answers. And that could be solved in some big event series or some some other series that's out there. That, along with all of these things with the council, with the machines. Hickman does a great job of writing a beautiful story, but he leaves a lot of threads out there for these other books to tackle. And again... I'm paying $5.99 for this. I certainly don't want a page that says I'm not ashamed of what I am and then a reading order page with what the next X-Men books are. And then you get a page each for each of the six X-Men books that are coming up with Krakoan language. Oh no, guys, what do they say? Are they going to give you a hint of what's to come? No, they don't. I translated them and they are literally just the titles of the books. They're translations of X-Men, Marauders, Excalibur, X-Force, New Mutants, and Fallen Angels, uh, which is kind of disappointing because again, that's another like one, two, three, that's like eight pages. So I would say a majority of this book is not part of the story, which is a bummer, but the pieces that are a part of the story are so good. I loved seeing Xavier kind of crack the way that these, uh, that page where he, he starts freaking out because of what Moira showed him. The, the expressions on his face are just insane. The, the art in this book, even though it's two different people now, Pepe and Mart and, uh, RB Silva, Pepe Larraz, both of them are, are all-stars in my eyes now after reading this. I will read anything that they are putting out because I love the way that they do their art. And so, like I said, I'm going to dive more into what I think is coming in the future based off of the Dawn of X stuff in that wrap-up uh, edition that I'm going to do at some point soon. But for now, that is where I'm going to wrap things up on this uh, Powers of Ten issue number six. Uh, go and read it. Check it out. Let me know what you think. If there's something that maybe I missed while I was reading, I always love new revelations when I'm reading these comics because I'm literally telling you this stuff based off of me reading this book once and then reading it uh, to you guys again while I'm looking at it. So I'm sure there's little pieces that I've missed, but I just want to say how great it is to see Moira be in the position that she's in, uh, this this in huge position of power. And the X-Men in the position of power. I am full-on ready for X-Men issue number one next Wednesday. That's by Jonathan Hickman and Lineal Francis Yu. Uh, it's going to be exciting. I will be getting that issue and reviewing it. And uh, like I said, I, I should get that other uh, episode up soon. But for now, for Comics and Cinema, I'm your host, Alex Klein. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy reading these comics.